All right, back on the Young Turks. Let's get right to our guests because we got two great ones here. Uh, joining me now is Caleb Akarma. He writes for Media ID and has uh, written about Tucker Carlson's turn on the Koch brothers. Super interesting. Caleb, welcome to the Young Turks, brother. Thanks for having me, Chang. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, Tucker's not playing. He really seems to have turned on the Koch brothers in a big way and is now railing against them. But before we get to that, uh, I want you to outline what you talked about in your piece about how Tucker Carlson used to be funded by the Koch brothers. Yeah, uh, I mean, even going back to his very beginning of his career in uh, D.C., he was a, a fact checker for a publication that at the time was run by the Heritage Foundation, which received Koch money. So if you even go all the way back, um, obviously, you know, from there he went to uh, the Cato Institute, where he was a senior fellow, which was, you know, an institute founded by Charles Koch and obviously funded by the Koch Industries. And then from there, you have all his connections with the Daily Caller almost taking $3 million, you know, in, in essentially Coke money um, as they have been funded over the years. So, which is, you know, the tabloid started by Tucker Carlson. So you have all these connections that lead Tucker back to the Cokes, um, whether it be, you know, his fellowship, his website, and just his history in DC. And now he's, you know, pulled a full 180, as you said. And is now, you know, criticizing them on TV almost on like a weekly basis. So I want to get to that in a second, but the ties are no joke, man. They used to give nearly a million bucks to the Daily Caller, which Tucker Carlson started, and and then they try to plant a story. And I learned this from your piece, Caleb, against Jane Mayer in the Daily Caller. The Koch brothers did when she went after them. So she's a wonderful journalist for the New Yorker, and and so the Koch brothers used to use. The site that Tucker started as you know to do hatchet pieces against real journalists and and Tucker would go out on Fox News when back when he was at the Cato Institute and defend the Koch brothers against Harry Reid and say how dare Harry Reid attack the beloved Koch brothers. So now let's talk about the turn. What on God's green earth is going on? First, what's their what's Tucker's criticism of the Koch brothers? Um, to, to touch on one thing you, you said there, as far as uh, Tucker's defense of uh, the Koch brothers throughout the years as he was on their payroll, in uh, 2014 when he was a senior fellow, he actually compared it to McCarthyism, the same criticisms of the Koch brothers you know, at the time Harry Reid was making. But he has you know, since turned and started adopting those ideas by criticizing you know, them and saying they have too much control over the Republican Party. They're pushing them in a way that they're pushing the Republican Party in a direction that is not beneficial, you know, for its constituency, um, and sort of. So that's sort of his argument. He's, you know, he's definitely not come along the lines of any type of, you know, socialism or, or progressivism. But he does seem to support some type of trade policies that would, you know, uh, be along the lines of something Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders would want to support. Yeah, but he, he doesn't just leave it there. I mean, he's talking about how they uh represent uh, a lot of things that the conservative uh, movement is against uh talking about he accused them being in favor of open borders and yes they're in favor of uh, a normal immigration policy which is actually not that surprising because it's in big businesses interests uh and but they would be immune from that criticism in the past because they bought off everyone on the republican side uh right. but uh, he also criticizing them for things that we agree with, criminal justice reform. So there's things that we agree with Tucker over Koch brothers on, but also some a few things that we agree with Koch brothers over Tucker on. So this is a topsy-turvy world. Yeah. Uh, and but to me, uh, Caleb, 
Maybe the most interesting part is that Tucker's broken from orthodoxy. Because what the Republicans are known for is everybody toes the line. You get a talking point, you shut up and you read that talking point, and it all flows down from the donors. So am I Am I overstating it, or is, does this seem to be a really interesting break from what we've seen uh, in right-wing circles? I think it is. I think it's a huge break, and it's not just Tucker Carlson on Fox News. It's also Laura Ingram and Lou Dobbs, you know, routinely criticizing the Koch brothers by name, which of course is unheard of during the Obama era. Um, and I think this is the biggest pivot in the Republican Party's direction since you know the, the Koch brothers got together a massive group of. Uh, conservative billionaires after uh, Obama's inauguration and started crafting a plan how to combat the Obama administration on every turn, you know, as, as Mitch McConnell once said. And so I think uh, what we're seeing now is sort of that era of the GOP kind of, maybe not, not, not the GOP as a whole, but certainly a part of the grassroots movement is no longer on board with, you know, being astroturfed by, uh, by the Koch brothers and, you know, as letting AFP and all these other organizations run around and craft policy. I think they're much more focused on uh, looking for any type of alternative that's not the status quo, which has been the Koch brothers for the past, you know, however many years, 12 years. But Caleb, why? This is the most interesting part. Why do you think they're breaking from the Koch brothers? I mean, I think there's just a genuine disillusionment with the status quo in this country and like, as far as the Koch brothers go, it, it doesn't get you know much bigger than a status quo than the second richest company you know in America and someone who of course wants things to keep going the same way that they are so they, they can keep profiting. Whereas I think a lot of Americans, even if they don't necessarily align with uh, leftist values, are starting to see you know holes in capitalism and starting to see issues that it doesn't address and that the free market can't fix, especially right now when we're seeing. So much, so many changes with globalization. Yeah, my theory is that they are a little bit smarter than the average bear, and they see where their audience is going. And 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 we we've been right all along. Actually, on some of these core economic issues, even the Republican voters are deeply progressive. They just don't know it. So the recent poll out: seventy-six percent of Americans want to raise taxes on the rich including a majority of Republicans. And in fact, Tucker said he criticized the Koch brothers for wanting tax cuts. That is unprecedented on Fox News or anywhere in right wing media. It has been wall to wall completely unbroken in favor of tax cuts for the rich and for corporations. For Tucker to break that heterodoxy is amazing. So now that leads to a second thing, Caleb, or the eighth thing, whatever we're on in, in, in this amazing turnaround, is that some progressives say, no, you're not allowed to say anything positive about Tucker Carlson because he's a white supremacist and he's a terrible guy on, on other grounds. So don't compliment him. It's all a trick. He's gonna turn all of us into fascists eventually. What's your take on that? Um, I do agree that. I mean, if, if you look at the history of Tucker Carlson's show over the past you know, year and a half, it's sort of amplified the you know, most extreme white supremacist voices um, in the mainstream right. And uh, so I do agree. I understand the argument that you shouldn't you know, support Tucker Carlson's show if you are against uh, you know, white supremacy and other 
um, issues that are important to the progressive movement. But as far as uh, as far as Tucker Carlson's uh, turn from the Koch brothers, I think you have to take it with a grain of salt because you have to realize Tucker's transformed so many times over the years. You know, from the contrarian libertarian guy on uh, CNN to the you know the raging neocon during the Iraq War. Uh, you know, pushing for the movement and then completely pivoting a year later into the Iraq war and saying, you know, I should have gone with my gut and, and never supported this movement. So, yeah, like you said, Tucker Carlson can sort of sense, I think, the the tides changing and he knows how to adapt uh, and and rebrand over the years to stay relevant in, in conservative media. Yeah, I think it's a mixture. Uh, I, there's no question that he's seeing where the tide is going. Uh, and Otherwise, he wouldn't do it at all. Uh, on the other hand, I do believe some of his changes were genuine and not for the right reasons either. Don't get me wrong. I'll take a yes for an answer every time. So when he turned on the Iraq war, great. I'm happy he turned on the Iraq war and it was fairly quick. It was within a year that he did that. Mm -hmm. um, he did it for all the wrong reasons. As we saw later, it was revealed that he thought Iraqis were like monkeys. And so why are we even bothering to do anything for them? Even if you believe the neoconservative line that we were doing it for them, which is of course hilarious and preposterous. Right. So for all the wrong reasons maybe, but I'll take that he's a non-interventionist. Right now at a time where he is saying, do not go to war with Iran. And Trump actually listens to him. MSNBC is turning around and criticizing and saying, "Oh, what is he, the Secretary of Defense? But doesn't, doesn't that, that doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean, shouldn't progressives be encouraging uh, Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump not to attack Iran? Well, I would argue that most of the people on MSNBC and other networks uh, arguing for war with Iran are usually like along the lines of the classic national security neocon, you know, um, in favor of, of war internationally. Uh, so I think, but as, as far as as far as Tucker goes, I mean, it's obviously a good thing that Trump was talked out of uh, bombing Iran, even if it was from you know Tucker Carlson. So I, I, it is a, it's a slippery slope. I think though, if you, if we get to the point where Tucker Carlson is crafting policy, because the next thing that he's going to craft, you know, as far as immigration, I, I don't think anyone would want to see his policies, you know, get into place into Trump's head as far as those issues. Yeah, it, good news, uh, bad news. They're already in his head. <laughs> so I'm hoping that he could at least help get some of the bad ones out. Um, and uh, and and look, he even questioned why the Koch brothers are running the Republican Party. That's dipping your toe into the problem of money in politics. And 96% yeah. of Republicans believe that that's the real problem. They think corruption is, uh, uh, and it's the influence of money that's corrupting the politicians. So man, if he opens that door and the Fox News audience gets mad about money in politics, that's a pretty good door to open. So. Yeah. I can't. I can't even imagine what that would look like as far as how. I mean, just think about how many politicians, Republican politicians, are on the Coke payroll, organizations, media outlets. If there's going to be like some sort of rate revamping, it's going to take a long time before they're not dependent on the Coke money. Because at this point, I mean, let's face it, it's almost bigger than the RNC. I mean, it employs more people than the RNC, so it's certainly you know it has a firm grip on the Republican Party and the direction it's going in. But if Fox News leads to the Republican voters realizing that the Republican Party is in fact corrupt and serves those corporate interests, that would be the most unexpected dramatic turn in literally American media history. 
And so even the fact that they have begun to talk about that is amazing. And thank you for tracking it. Everybody check out Caleb's articles on Mediate. Thank you for joining us, Caleb, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Tank. All right, when we come back, Shahid for change, gonna run against Nancy Pelosi, drama, love it. Let's talk about it when we come back. All right, back on the Young Turks. Uh, joining me now is Shahid Buttar. He is running against Nancy Pelosi. Uh, he's primarying her uh, in her district, uh, which is very interesting. Uh, he's a fascinating guy. Uh, he is a democratic socialist, a civil libertarian, a hip hop and electronica MC. He was the executive director of the Bill of Rights Defense Committee, the co-director of the Rule of Law Institute, and my favorite part, teaching assistant in constitutional law for Professor Larry Lessig. So uh, you already had me on Lessig. Uh, Shahid, welcome to the program. It's great to with you, Thanks so much for having me on. No problem. Okay, so um, first of all, for the uninitiated, uh, why does Nancy Pelosi need to be primary? Nancy Pelosi is a Democratic Speaker of the House who, for better or worse, advances Republican policies from supporting the president's foreign policy from Venezuela to Palestine, to supporting Republican fiscal austerity rules, to insulating our criminal president from executive accountability in the form of impeachment. I think it is unfortunately unacceptable for this city, San Francisco, the country's most progressive city, to be represented by a relative centrist in Congress, and I'm eager to fix that. So uh, let's talk about foreign policy for a second, because that doesn't get enough attention. What do you mean she supports uh, Trump in Venezuela? You know, there's a whole series of theaters around the world in which the corporate wing of the Democratic Party, unfortunately, supports the serial interventions of the military-industrial complex, and we see uh, nominal tension between our criminal president and the military industrial complex. I don't have a great deal of faith that it will persist. See, justify. Go ahead, Shay. Yeah, no, no, you were breaking up, but that was positive that it was establishment doing it. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, keep going, brother. Yeah, we see Democrats, unfortunately, Placing corporate resource extraction and placing militarism above human rights and above, frankly, a sane and peaceful and just foreign policy, informed, for instance, by the warning of President Eisenhower. I've been very inspired by the warning that he offered in 1961 on national television as an immigrant Muslim constitutional lawyer. His warnings about the threat that the military industrial complex would pose, not just in the form of wars for profit abroad. But in the form of a domestic civil liberties crisis that we are now right. feel very alarmed by the constitutional rights. And that's why I'm running, to help defend them in the face of bipartisan uh, opposition. Uh, how about uh, Palestine? You also mentioned that. Um, so a lot of Democrats, in my um, experience, the, the voters, really have no idea what their representatives actually stand for. They assume that their representatives are as progressive as they are. What's her actual point of view about Palestine? Yeah, at the end of the day, Palestine is a perfect example of a, of a, of a settler colonial state supported by US military aid that under 
unfortunately undermines human rights recognized around the world. And these are human rights, incidentally, that we fought a world war to establish in the first place. And so the reason I'm committed to human rights abroad is not because of the particular context in which those rights emerge, but also because our own government, for better or worse, repeatedly since the end of the Second World War has found itself on the wrong side of human rights. That's been true everywhere from Palestine. Um, I fear that it might prove true again in Iran where sabers are rattling today. It's been true across a litany of interventions that we've executed south, particularly in Latin America, uh, Vietnam, of course, and Laos and Cambodia become very hard to overlook. Uh, but you know, I'm, I've been trained by history to view very skeptically the foreign interventions of the Pentagon and its various corporate beneficiaries. No, I think they worked out great over the last couple of decades. Uh, <laughs> one disaster after another, corporate media learns nothing from it. Um, I love that moment uh, when uh, Bernie Sanders corrected Margaret Brennan on CNN, said there is no such thing as a limited strike. Uh, that's bombing another country and starting a war. Uh, so right. uh, talk to us about your plan for how to defeat her. I mean, first of all, uh, she would say that you're up against the master legislator. Uh, so boy, you're in trouble. But in uh, in in reality, of course, she has enormous name recognition, and she's the Speaker of the House. So how are you going to beat her? Yeah, she has both enormous name recognition and effectively limitless pockets. Right? She is the most prolific fundraiser in the House of Representatives. She's arguably the most powerful politician in the country. Uh, and the way I'm going to beat her simply is by representing the interests of her district, uh, her constituents. The people I look forward to representing in Congress after 2020, should I be so fortunate as to win the general election in November 2020, their views are certainly much closer to mine than they are to the speakers. I think San Francisco is committed to, for instance, executive accountability. We're committed to climate justice. We're committed to universal health care and an expansive vision of human rights opposed in context after context, unfortunately, by the corporate speaker of the House. And the fact that Pelosi, frankly, repeatedly gives our criminal president the comfort of not having to face impeachment, the comfort of having democratic support, for instance, on fiscal austerity rules, the complicity of the corporate wing of the Democratic Party with our criminal president creates a lot of opportunities. For better or worse, Speaker Pelosi is doing the job for us of demonstrating why San Francisco needs a new, fresh voice, proudly aligned with our city's visionary values in Congress. Well, good news for you, Shahid. I think you're right about that because I was on San Francisco radio earlier this morning on KGO on Mark Thompson's show. And I started speaking out against Nancy Pelosi. And normally, especially in San Francisco, there would be blowback to that. But almost all the callers agreed. I don't think she realizes how much she's pissed people off by protecting Donald Trump and insisting that that he not be impeached. I mean, I don't know that you're gonna get a better case than the person you're running against being, in a sense, quite literally Donald Trump's biggest protector. I could not agree with you more. You're right, certainly, that San Francisco is over Pelosi. Uh, I think you might be right also that she doesn't realize it. Uh, at the end of the day, my job is to make sure that San Franciscans know that we have an alternative. 
that we have an alternative that will back Medicare for all, that we have an alternative that will back the Green New Deal, that we have an alternative who 10 years before Speaker Pelosi showed up to support the rights of her LGBT constituents, I, as a cis hetero Muslim lawyer, was waging battles in state courts in New York trying to establish the right of consenting adults to marry a partner of their choice. I've fought for issues in the progressive side of the equation long before they were popular. I've helped to make seemingly impossible policy options real, uh, marriage equality among them. I fought for campaign finance reform uh, long So uh, we're having a little issue with uh, the connection there, but okay, we're back. Okay, um, so Shahid, we lost you for a second, but we're back now. Um, you know, I, I want to pick up on your point uh, about gay marriage. It drives me crazy when these uh, establishment Democrats want to get credit for supporting gay marriage in 2014, 2015, 2013, 2017. Um, you were in court. Back in 2004, fighting for it, but a lot of us were for gay marriage way before that. I think Bernie Sanders was for the 1970s or 80s or something along these lines, and then and and Very so that that partly actually leads me to the question about corporate media, because of course that's not how it's portrayed. It's Joe Biden and and Obama and Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi are portrayed as. American heroes for standing up for gay people a couple of decades too late. Um, so the question is, how do you get past that corporate media who uh, has that kind of disdain and, and has alternative facts that they use against progressives and in favor of establishment people like Pelosi? It's a great question. And ultimately, our route to victory includes both an air game, air war component. And I'll get to that in a second. But the real way we're going to win the sea is with the ground game and the ground war. We have volunteers all over the city who are covering ground at live events, getting signs up in stores from one side of the city to the other. And we still have nine months left before the primary and over a year left before the general. Our presence is already being projected across the entire city of San Francisco. That Plus the opportunity to appear on programs like your own, media sources that are not co-opted and owned and limited by corporate rule. The combination of your kinds of programs, the various social media platforms that are available today, and the ground outreach. That's going to be the way that we're going to capture this year. All right, one last question. Again, I think that a lot of people, partly because of the corporate media, tend to think that the Pelosi's of the world are way more progressive than they actually are. So um, how do you know she's not for Medicare for all? Well, so she's opposed it uh, pretty consistently. In 2009, she helped undermine um, uh, the proposed public option at one phase while, uh, to her credit, helping usher uh, the public option through the House before that. Her aides have been uh, publicly reported on Capitol Hill in this session of Congress, reassuring particularly corporate executives at pharmaceuticals and health insurance companies that they have nothing to fear in the form of Pramila Jayapal's Medicare for All bill, which I support. And, and frankly, Nancy Pelosi has said in no uncertain terms on national media that she is very committed to conventional corporate capitalism and the distribution of even huge needs according to the market. 
And I'm much more eager to see a right to medicine, a right to food, a right to shelter established as human rights within the United States. And that's ultimately the project before our generation. Uh, and I'm here for it. All right, if it sounds like um, I'm not overly supportive of Nancy Pelosi, that's because I'm not overly supportive of Nancy Pelosi. Uh, I believe in progressives. All right, uh, everybody, the website is uh, shahidforchange.us. And you gotta volunteer and donate uh, because if you're uh, not taking big corporate money, uh, the only way to win is that ground game uh, as Shahid was referring to. So get involved, uh, small dollar donations, volunteers. It has worked in the past, obviously famously so for AOC. And you guys saw that happen with your own eyes here on the Young Turks and, and so many other candidates. Uh, so uh, nothing is impossible. Uh, I, I've been saying all along, wait till you see 2020. Well, here we are. Uh, so uh, Shahid, thank you for joining us and thank you for fighting for progressives. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Shank. It's great to be with you. No problem. All right. Um, now, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back from the members, we're gonna discuss the debates there tomorrow. Uh, and I'm gonna talk about what we're looking forward to, uh, what might happen, who will, is it possible that somebody will draw blood? Will they go negative? Will they attack each other? Will they play patty cakes? Are people gonna get shaken out? All of that uh, for the members. So tyt.com slash join to become a member and we'll see you after the break.